to another brand new episode of Take a Shelfie, the podcast about bottle shops and the pints and people you find therein. I'm Jeff Martin, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Matt Prince. Matt, how you doing? Jeff, I'm great. How are you doing? Matt, I'm doing really well. Uh, my parents have been spending the quarantine mostly at their home in Sea Isle City, but they came back up here so my mom could go to a dentist appointment. And on the way, they stopped and they got me some fresh New Jersey corn. And I had that with my dinner tonight. And it is, as the internet says, chef's kiss. <laughs> you know, when the summer rolls around, there's just something about Jersey corn and Jersey tomatoes that is just perfect. It's just, it's part of summer. You know, something about a barbecue with Jersey corn and there's something about having like a fresh slice of a Jersey tomato that just hits the spot. And just like a fresh, a fresh watermelon. We've talked about watermelon at barbecues and that leads into, uh, you know, having a watermelon wheat beer. It's just summer's a great time here in the mid Atlantic. Uh, it, it's just a terrific time uh, to be around and have fresh fruits and vegetables and, and fresh beer. Matt, are you drinking a fresh beer? I'm about to Jeff. I- I'm going to be a little bit of a, kiss ass today um i'm gonna have uh, sage against the machine which is a goza from attic brewing company in germantown which is a neighborhood in philadelphia um here in pennsylvania well matt it's funny you should mention attic brewing company because i'm also drinking beer from attic brewing company i am drinking their wonder crush zweikel beer i hope i said that right a zweikel beer is a lighter version of a keller pilsner it's uh it, it's supposed to be unfiltered. This is pretty clear, but, you know, filtered is a relative term. And the reason that we're both kissing butt and drinking Attic beer is because today on the podcast, we're going to have Todd Lacey, who is one of the founders of Attic Brewing Company. Um, they have quickly become one of my favorite shops here in Pennsylvania because they opened six weeks before the quarantine hit really they opened in late january and the world shut down in the middle of march and my good friend and a listener to the podcast pet Boyle, i've told the story already he pointed them out to me said they do delivery said they make a great pilsner i had them deliver it and basically now every two or three weeks i'm ordering um you know 12 pack you know 18 beers from attic and having it delivered to my house. And so I reached out to them on Instagram and I asked, uh, I asked Todd if he would be able to come on and, and he's, uh, he's going to be joining us. So let's just jump right into this actually. So without further ado, let's welcome to the podcast, Todd Lacey. Todd, thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. So Todd, we asked this question of ourselves and we've asked it of all our guests, but tell us how you got involved in craft beer in general. Uh, I guess it started about 10 years ago, maybe, maybe a little longer than that. But um, when I graduated college, I came out to Pennsylvania and had a bunch of friends that were really into craft beer. And they introduced me to a bunch of cool styles that I hadn't really been familiar with before and really enjoyed it a lot better than the natty ice and stuff that I'd been used to drinking in college. So um, once I started getting into that, I enjoyed the of course, drinking the beer, but then a lot of these friends had also been homebrewing for a long time. So they introduced me to how to make your own beer, which was pretty cool too. So that's sort of what got me into homebrewing. And that started about 10 years ago when 
my wife bought me a homebrew kit for my 30th birthday and just kind of went from there. So, so how do you take that little seed and then let it become not just a hobby, a homebrew hobby, but how did that, how did you take it to the next level and turn that into a brewery? When I first started homebrewing, I guess, I kind of liked the idea of being able to create your own recipes and things like that. And something my wife and I, Laura, would always like to do is only drink craft beer, but of course visit breweries. So when I started homebrewing for the first time, it was always a dream, you know, most homebrewers like, oh, it'd be cool to open a brewery someday. But we never really thought realistically about it. But the more time went on, the more breweries that we visited, like we go all around the country visiting breweries. It's like, this is something really cool. And we could probably take all these different ideas and things from all these different breweries and put it in our own brewery. So uh, dream eventually became reality maybe four years ago. And we started really trying to get this thing together. So you open in late January uh, in yeah. Germantown. And within six weeks, this whole pandemic hits and quarantine hits. And you have to very quickly reimagine how the heck you're going to operate a brewery and, and get your beer to people when they can't come to you. So what was that all like? That was pretty crazy. So yeah, we opened in middle of January and had about two months of awesome taproom time. And we felt we were gaining so much momentum going into the spring that we had something really cool that was really going to take off probably spring, summertime. And then of course COVID hit. And one of the problems is that we as a taproom never intended to have like cans right away. We kind of just wanted to fill growlers and that was the only takeout that we really had planned, uh, mostly because we wanted to help reduce waste and things like that. But once uh, COVID hit, we automatically had to start adjusting, which was, was crazy. Um, we had about a week where tap room was technically closed, but people could still come in and fill growlers. So we had people lining up to get growlers filled. And a week after that, governor says we can't even have people to fill growlers and we kind of had a feeling something like that was coming so we thought it would be good to get a crawler machine and start getting crawler cans coming in and ordered all that stuff that we needed and it came about a week later and we were able to start canning but kind of funny part was my wife flora she put in to get these like you know like a crawler machine but accidentally got a 16 ounce canning machine instead. And so we're like, Oh crap, what are we going to do? So, um, we tried to order the actual crawler machine, but they said they were backed up because a bunch of other breweries are doing the same thing. So we wouldn't be getting that crawler machine for another month. So we had to reach out to a couple different breweries to find who had 16 ounce cans that they weren't using. And luckily triple bottom brewing, they had a whole pallet full of 16 ounce cans that we were able to, take with us, bring back to the brewery and start canning 16 ounce cans instead. And somehow that took off. Uh, people were enjoying the 16 ounce cans. Yeah. And having them delivered and for pickup. And uh, yeah, it was, it became popular. We were canning maybe 400 cans that first week or so now took off to one, almost 2000 cans a week. So, 
So you, you, you know, you talked a little bit about the beer that you're putting into cans. What, what kind of styles do you enjoy brewing at the brewery? What do you really want to be known for? If there is a style you want to be known for or a more general, you know, some breweries, they like doing the European styles, others more modern. Um, what, what do you want your identity to be? We talked about that a lot. And of course, IPAs are the big sellers. And we do have a good selection of IPAs here. But kind of our focus being a brewery opening in Germantown was to make beer that's approachable to everybody. Um, cause living in Germantown, there's a lot of people here that aren't really familiar with craft beer. And we wanted to make sure we had a large selection of different styles that anybody can enjoy or pick from. So we love our IPAs. We have a bunch of really good ones, I think, but um, kind of our approach is just to have a nice variety of different styles for everybody. So we actually don't really have any set beer, at least right now, that we're really focusing on. Just trying to get something for everyone. Matt right now is drinking uh, the Sage Against the Machine, which I nice. got for him um, around yeah. July 4th, and I'm, I'm drinking the Wonder Crush. Um, and I had never heard of the, is it Zweigel beer? Yeah. Yeah. I had, I'd never heard of that style before and it's, it's, it's terrific, which I mean, doesn't, doesn't surprise me because your regular Pilsner, the G town strutter is, is also very good. You mentioned, you you mentioned, uh, being in Germantown and Germantown is, is a really, uh, unique area in Philadelphia. It's got a really diverse population and, you are doing a lot of cool things that I've seen both in the delivery aspect. And now that you've sort of reopened, I mean, you were doing, uh, you could get the beer delivered by a drag queen uh, and you had uh, like a jazz piano player for your, you know, outdoor guests last week. So like, you know, is, is there an opportunity because you're in, in Germantown and in Philadelphia as a larger market to just sort of have a, a, a fun, personality uh yeah definitely <laughs> yeah um like when we were trying to find places to open a brewery we'd lived in germantown for a long time we lived in delaware county for a little while lived in alden uh but out of all the places that we lived oh conchhocken as well but out of all the places we lived uh germantown was the the spot that really kind of was unique to us and really spoke to us and when we wanted to open the brewery, we thought Germantown would be the best place for it. And of course, if you look at the map, you don't see a lot of breweries around Germantown. I think Wissahickon's the closest one. And part of it was because of the diversity, the culture that's here, the history, all of it's just really cool. So um, we wanted to be very community-based. We want to be a brewery that really gives back to the community in whatever way we can. And we started just brainstorming what things we could do and uh, that's where like you know, the drag queen delivery came through of course the whole black lives matter movement start came through a couple months ago so we started making some beers that were that a lot of the profits that we're making off that would be going back to organizations here in germantown just a lot of things that we're trying to do just to be very community-based and just bring the whole community of germantown out to to our brewery have our beer and allow us to give it back somehow or another so so, so you talked about, you, you know, you talk about Germantown and the community and being part of that community. How have you found um, the rest of the Philadelphia beer community? What reception have you gotten from them? Have you, uh, you mentioned Triple Bottom. Have you um, made friends with other breweries? And uh, what has that reception been like? 
It's been good. Um, a lot of breweries helped us out during this whole process of trying to open. And probably the breweries that we connected to most were uh, Left City. Uh, they were real helpful to us. Um, Crime and Punishment. And Triple Bottom was kind of unique because Triple Bottom, even though they opened a few months before us, were following kind of very similar path that we were. Their husband and wife owned. They wanted to be really community-based. And we didn't really find that out until we actually started really talking to them and meeting with them. So kind of seeing the path that they were going on, seeing them opening a few months before us allowed us to kind of see what they were doing and kind of following this similar type of footpath that they were going down. And, uh, it's been it's been good so far. All the breweries that have come out and hang out with us, they really appreciate what we're doing. They enjoy our beers and been real helpful helping us get forward. Tell me a little bit about uh, Laura and her experience because she picked up a lot of experience in the Philadelphia beer scene before you sort of started. So did that give you a leg up, that sort of real life research? Yeah, so uh, my wife, Laura, about four years ago when we started trying to come up with this idea for a brewery, it was all because she really did not like her job that she was working before. She was working at a corporate level for a big retail company, so she's doing really well for herself, making good money and things, but she just hated the job, couldn't stand it. So one day she decided to quit, and a couple weeks later, talking about what she was going to do with her, her life, and she's like, oh, I think I want to open a brewery. And I said, okay, let's do it. Uh, but that allowed her to kind of start doing all the research and on how to open a brewery. And for probably several months, she really dug in deep on, you know, creating a business plan, all that fun stuff, but also reaching out to breweries and finding out how they operate, how they brew and things like that. So uh, she worked at Dock Street for a little bit. She would go down to, uh, 2SP and help them out a lot. I don't know if you guys remember Boxcar out in Westchester. Uh, we brewed at them a couple times. That was interesting, but <laughs> that's a whole other story. Um, but all that helped her, especially gave that experience needed to start really diving in deep to open a brewery. And definitely couldn't have done it without her. She was, she's the brains behind this whole operation. Well, Todd, it's been a weird uh, first eight months for you, I'm, I'm sure. But right. I mean, judging from the history that you guys have already built and judging from the the beer itself, I'm sure that you have a bright future and we're so excited that you're open and we're so excited that you decided to come on the podcast and we can't wait to drink more of the beer and hopefully get over there in person someday. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely have to come out when you can. Yeah. So thanks so much for coming on. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Matt, you asked an interesting question of Todd once we sort of pressed pause on the interview uh, about the name. Uh, So why don't you share how that sort of all happened? Yeah, so I, you know, I'm always interested to see the origin of a brewery name because, you know, me, the only one of our group who has not really gotten into homebrewing yet, uh, I haven't dipped my toe in, but I've always thought about if I ever did, what would I name my brewery? And I think Attic is such a cool name. And Todd uh, brewed in uh, one of their attic apartments and he, it was a challenge and he said it was really hot in the summer and, but he really loved that apartment and um, they, they really like vintagey things. So if you go into their tap room, there's a lot of uh, different uh, vintage artifacts in there and they like history. So it's, it, it sounds like their tap room is kind of like this 
blown out attic, which is pretty cool. Um, and I just, I love the name. I love the, the font of the, you know, on the can. I, I really like their design. So it's cool. I love the name. I love the beer. Uh, and now I'm a big fan of Todd. I, I just think it's great that we're living in an age where new breweries still open up um, and they have these unique perspectives on beer. Yeah, uh, We were also talking with Todd afterwards that like they are crushing the lighter drinking beer game. You're, you, we already mentioned are drinking the Goza and I'm drinking the, the Zweigel beer. And, you know, we, they make some very good New Englands and they make some very good heavier beers. They made a um, Black is Beautiful, which was really good. Um, I think it was an oatmeal stout. But not every beer on your tap list has to be an 8% double IPA. And, you know, they certainly have a wealth of beers that they put out that can satisfy on a summer afternoon. So. Well, and you know what? You know what's also great, Jeff. Kind of building on that, it, it's also great that we're seeing new breweries opening around the pandemic. The beer uh, climate when we left is going to be vastly different when we come back. So, as a beer drinker, it's really exciting that when we step back out of our houses and get to go back out in the public, there are going to be newer breweries to, to go to. I mean, we're talking just in our area, we look at attic, we look at human robot, uh, hopefully um, the qualors, they've got their spot for two locals, you know, like we can only hope that there's all these new breweries and it's going to make coming out of this pandemic that much better because there's all these new breweries to go visit. And if that ever happens that is if we're ever allowed of out of quarantine and uh there's no doubt that you and i will be going to these places and then we'll be talking about it on the podcast so listeners subscribe to take a shelfie wherever you can get your fine podcasts and while you're there please leave us a nice review it really does a lot to help us promote the show you can visit us at shelfiepodcast.com we post full uh, episodes and we have a comment section open on every episode where you can talk with us about what you're thinking about the weekly topic you can also follow us on instagram at shelfie podcast we post pictures of the beers we're drinking naturally uh tell us what you're drinking tell us uh your thoughts on the beer we're drinking we just uh we just love talking beer and we can't wait to do it with you until next week i'm jeff martin and i'm matt cheers <laughs>